Right, Acts 15. If you have a Bible, head in the direction of the book of Acts. We are continuing our series, Neighbourhood uh, to Nations. If you're, if you're new to the Bible uh, and uh, new to Christianity, uh, Acts follows the, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke and John. We've got the Gospels, the life and teaching of Jesus. And, uh, and then we hit, hit the, uh, the book of Acts, uh, where it's really the birth of the early church, the Acts of the Apostles, uh, in this uh, really unique book uh, in the Bible. And uh, this morning we find ourselves at Acts 15. Now sometimes when, as a, as a preacher, when you, 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 you kind of uh, look at what you're preaching on, you kind of read it and your heart rises, oh, there is, this is great, there is, there is tons here. Other times you, you kind of think, oh, okay, um, and uh, if you've got those headings in your Bible, this will give you a clue. Uh, and at the beginning of Acts 15, it says, The Council of Jerusalem. So we're in a committee this morning, okay? So my heart didn't leap with faith when I, when I read this, but, 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 I've come around. There is, uh, there, is, there is richness for us. There is something here for us today, 2022 in Norwich. Uh, we can learn from a council meeting in Jerusalem Okay, so bear with me, but uh, I get, on the face of it, it may not seem the most, uh, the most exciting. But let's read verses 1 to 12, and then we'll, I'll preach a bit, and then we'll come back to the rest of it. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp disrepute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This nude made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Believe God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them with, by giving them the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And so the, the question being asked at this, of this council in Jerusalem, the, the, the controversy is, what is the basis of salvation? And it might seem like, a, I say, a boring uh, committee meeting, but it's a, it's a hugely important question here. They're, they're saying, what, what is the, who is an authentic Christian? What is the basis for salvation? Who can be saved? How can people be saved? Do they have to be Jewish to be saved? And that the Jews, they had their, their Mosaic law that uh, God had given Moses when the people came out of Egypt, when he rescued his people out of Egypt. And uh, among other things, it included circumcision. And now in this book of Acts, uh, non-Jews, Gentiles are coming to faith, becoming Christians, and uh, uh, some of the others are like, ah, great, but you know you need to be circumcised, right? And uh, of course, that's, uh, 
It's not something you want to do lightly, I mean, <laughs> uh, without putting too fine a point on it. And so, huge debate about, well, do you need to follow all these mosaic laws and, uh, and be circumcised? If, if they're not, are they really Christians? So that's the, the basis of this debate. And so they, uh, from Antioch, where this is happening, they, they go to the church in Jerusalem and uh, sit down and uh, there's this discussion. And then we get to verse 11. This, after, after much discussion, we get to this verse 11 that I read out. And it says, uh, Peter says, uh, no, you don't need that. We believe it's through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. It's through grace. And that, that for folks, that for, for you and for, for me, that's true today. Your, your view of Christianity might be one of, of well, I, I, could, I could never be, you know, be a Christian or come to church because it's, it's about do this, do this, do this, earn this, meet this mark. Please, try and please God, try and earn, earn favor, try and curry favor with God. You know, try and, try and look like everybody else in church and, and, and kind of match up and, and change this and then, then I can earn my way into heaven or I can earn favor with God or earn forgiveness with God. And that, that's not the gospel. The gospel is it's all by grace. As Peter says here, it's, it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. That's how these Gentiles these non-Jews were able to come to faith. It wasn't through circumcision or following the kind of Mosaic law and so on. It was, it was through faith in Jesus Christ, the free gift of grace. It means it's not by our own efforts. It's not at our own expense. It's at Christ's expense. It's the free gift of grace, paid for, paid for by Jesus on the cross, that we might be forgiven, that we might be set free, that we might be adopted accepted, loved, that we might be satisfied in him, that we might come to know him and be satisfied in him. It's the free gift of grace, that whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're healthy, whether we're sick, we might find our meaning and our hope and our delight in him. It's the free gift of grace. And that through, through this gift of grace, we're, we, we're declared not guilty. So if, if you know and follow Jesus and have received grace into your life, you are declared not guilty. And see, so therefore, an, a, someone who's not guilty doesn't need to feel condemned, do they? Yeah, they, they are. They've been declared not not guilty. So you don't need to. You're not. You don't need to be condemned. But we're follow me. We're a double negative here. We're not not condemned, not because of our, uh, we've done well lately, not because, you know, oh, we've had a good week and he's really been, been in his Bible or been praying or been, been sharing his faith. No, 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 we're, we're, we're not condemned because we're in Christ, because we've received this gift of grace that Jesus paid for on the cross for you and for me, and therefore we're not condemned, we're in Christ. It, the, the Bible uses the word, the word justified, and the, the difference between just forgiven and justified is forgiven. You know, if you were up in front of a, a judge and uh, uh, he, he found you not guilty, let's say, you know, he found you not guilty. Oh, uh, Paul, you know, you, you, you're, uh, you, the, the evidence has been weighed and, and you're found not guilty. Now go, that's what he would say, yeah? We're justified. So it's not you're found not guilty. Well, you've actually, you're found guilty, declared not guilty, uh, and now go. It's no, no, and now come. You're found guilty, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you're declared not guilty, and now come. That's what's on offer. That is what on offer because of the gift of grace. And it's a grace that, that changes us. 
You might say, well, well how, why don't I just want to, why can't I just live however I want? And it's, 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 it doesn't matter how I live, it doesn't matter how I do, but, but if you've received grace, if you've understood grace, then the Bible says that grace changes us. It teaches us to say no, not, not so that we earn our way to God, but in response to what he has done for us, in response to his lavish grace poured out, freely given to us, in response, it changes us. In response, it changes us. We're changed by grace. So it's not Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus this. It's, it's Jesus. It's, it's by faith in him alone. And it's relevant to us today because we can, we can eat so easily. We're, we're a people that love to, to earn, aren't we? And we, uh, we, we want to earn something. When, something, when there's a free, or somebody offers us something free, it's kind of, what's the catch? You know, what's the, you know, what's the catch? And, and yet it's a free gift of grace. And we can so easily slip into just religious thinking ourselves, or, or you might have been brought up in a very religious family or home or background, and yet it's the free gift of grace. Religion is about, it's about earning, about doing, about trying to meet the mark. Obeying, uh, Tim Keller would say it's about obeying, therefore I am accepted. That's what religion is. Whereas grace says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Religion your motivation is based on fear and insecurity. Grace, it's based on just grateful joy. I don't deserve it. I'm a, I'm a mess. I've done things wrong. I'm ashamed of things I've done in my life. But, I, but look at what Jesus has done. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm made righteous by what Jesus has done at the cross for me. And, I, and I'm consumed by this grateful joy in light of what he has done for me. And so I want to ask us this morning, are we, are we living under grace or under law. I can, I can find myself slipping into it. Just, just little things sometimes. So uh, if, uh, if I've not had a, I don't know, if, if, if I've, I've messed up or something, then in, in, uh, in human relationships, if you've, if you've upset somebody or something, you, you might just give them a wide berth, right? You might just think, oh, look, I know they're a bit cross with me, and so I'm just going to just going to give them a wide berth until they calm down. And, and if you're like me, you can, you can think about God that way. And you can think, well, yeah, I've not done terribly well this week or month or however long you want to put in. And, and I've just, I'm just going to give him a wide berth until he calms down, until he forgets. And, uh, and I, can, I can treat my relationship with God like that sometimes. I think, oh, I'm just going to wait, wait till he, he forgets. And, 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 but he's not like that. He's a loving father who knows the worst about us, but in spite of that, sent his son to die gladly at the cross for you and for me that we might receive his righteousness, mercy. It's the free gift of grace. In fact, the Bible uh, says elsewhere that our best efforts, yeah, our best efforts, our best days, when, when you feel like you've, you've nailed it this week, you've, you know, you're kind of on it, yeah? Our best efforts are like filthy rags. Best efforts are like filthy rags. So I want to encourage us, are we living under grace in our lives. Let's continue into verse, skip down a bit, into verse 22. <clears throat> then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So they're now sending them back here. They chose Judas, called Barsabas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. 
So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrifices to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. And so the apostles and elders in Jerusalem agreed, yeah, okay, you don't, you don't need to be circumcised to, to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, but abstain from idols. You know, there's only to be, to be one God in your life. Uh, abstain from sexual immorality. Avoid that because, well, that was rampant, just like in today's world. That was rampant back there. So they're saying, yeah, don't do that. And meat of strangled animals, yeah, abstain from that as well. Basically, they're saying there's only place for one God in your heart. It can't be idols, it can't be sex, and as for the meat, well, you live amongst Jews, yeah, you Gentiles, you live amongst Jews, and they're, they're very sensitive to that, so they find that offensive, so let's, let's just be mindful of that, let's just be sensitive to that, because we're all one people together in Christ. Verse 30, so the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message, as you would be if you Learned you didn't have to be circumcised. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. And you might think again, well, what what does this have to do with life 2022 today? Uh, And uh, my point is this. The church is to be a radical new community, yeah? Where there are people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, different class, different race. Uh, We're we're meant to be one people together in Christ. Regardless of background, upbringing, all of those different different things, we're, we're, we're called to be one community together in Christ. You might find, look around the church and just think there are people who, 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 who are just very different to you, who have uh, very different interests and hobbies, who look different, behave different, uh, dress differently, all of these things. But we're called to be one church together in Christ. There are, there are people who, there are, there are vegans among us, there are vegetarians among us, there are carnivores among us, right? And we're, we're just to live together, one people together in Christ. But we're a bit sensitive to one another, and, and, uh, and to one another. I think of, of COVID in particular. It was one of those things where, as a, as a, as a nation, as a, as a world, we were all kind of grappling with it together, weren't we? And just trying to work out how do, we, uh, how do we take precautions. And then when the rules began to sort of drop away and there was less clarity around, around that, we each, each of us had to find our way in terms of, what are, we, what are we comfortable doing and where are, we, where are we comfortable going and do I wear a mask and all those types of things. And, and, we, and these things can easily become divisive, can't they, among, among friendship groups, among community, among the church. And, and, and part of what is saying here is be, be sensitive to one another, be generous to one another. And so COVID was a great example. It was some people, some people chose to wear masks, some people still choose to wear masks, and that's fine, and some people choose not to. But let's be sensitive to one another in that. And... Whatever it is, I'll use COVID as an example, but whatever it is, people will be, will be different. But we're all together in the gospel. We're all together, one new community in Christ. 
And you might, you might be new, or you might look around and just think, I haven't got any friends, I don't really know anybody. You might look around and think, I have nothing. I've got zero in common with these people. They're older, they're younger, they're richer, they're poorer, they're whatever. You might think, I've got nothing in common with them. And I want to tell you that you're wrong. You have everything in common. If you know and follow Jesus, you have everything in common with, with them. Your faith in Jesus to come in. Well, I mentioned running partners, life groups at the beginning. You might think, well, I need to find one where we've got common interests, where we've got common grounds. Um, I, don't, I want to say you don't. Actually, in fact, if you, if you join running partners or join a life group or, or even join a church where you think, I've got nothing in common with these people, actually, your, your common ground will be Jesus. Right? And so you'll be forced to, to talk about Jesus because you know, they might be into to cars and you might be into bikes and uh, I don't know, use examples, but, but your common ground will be Jesus. Your common ground will be talking about faith in Jesus. We're called to be a radical new kind of community. A radical new kind of community. I've asked um, my wife Natalie just to come up and just share a bit just of her experience. So um, I'll, I won't trample on your uh, story, but uh, I'd be, as you'll learn, hopefully, I'd been in this, this church a lot longer than Natalie when, when, uh, um, uh, when she came, and uh, just the experience of somebody coming in and uh, the challenges and uh, how God can work through that, I thought that would be helpful. So, um, yeah, you okay? Yeah. Ah, there it is. Sure, I'll take it all. Hello. Sorry if I've got... You have to excuse me if I've got snot on me. That's the joy of having a two-year-old, and I can't actually tell, so... <laughs> I apologise if I've got snot over me. Um, yeah, so I, I think some of you might know the background, some of you don't, so for those who don't... Um, so Steve and I were dating when I first came along to City West um, for the first time. And that was quite nerve-wracking because he was the pastor and I was the girlfriend. And I was like, oh, no, I really don't want to go into this church. Because um, I just felt like everyone would be looking at me and judging me and checking me out. And I was just like, I felt like I wouldn't be good enough. So it was really nerve-wracking to go in. Um, even though everyone was very nice, it was still, I was still very anxious. Um, and I was quite, I hadn't been a Christian for that long, actually. I came to Christianity later in life through an Alpha course. I know some of you know some of that as well. Um, so, and I'd been in a Church of England church in London. I was actually living in London at the time. Um, and it was just quite different to New Frontiers. I've never experienced New Frontiers before not really experienced the Holy Spirit. So when I walked in, I was like, what the hell is this? This is really weird. Get me out of here now. In my head. Obviously, I didn't say that out loud. And I think someone was even speaking in tongues. It may have been Tim. That freaked me out even more, Tim. <laughs> no, nothing to do with Tim. That was just me. I was just like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. This is really weird. And I just felt like I wasn't part of it at all. Um, I just felt like it was really strange. I thought, oh, maybe I'm not a proper Christian because don't know about this, or I haven't experienced this. Um, so basically, I just felt like I just didn't belong at all and just felt not good enough. And I found it really hard to come along, actually, in the beginning. I just was like, I really didn't want to come along. And each time I came, I felt quite spiritually attacked, 
just just had all these voices in my head about not being good enough and not being part of it and people only being nice to me because I was going out with Steve and they didn't really like me and I had 101 voices in my head and I just found it really, really hard. I could actually probably go home and cry most weeks, which none of you probably know that. (laughs) And I think one thing that really helped me during that time was um, the Ephesians verse about the armour of God. So just putting on the armour of God, uh, you know, against the spiritual attacks. Um, And I sort of used to sort of say that in my head before I came in, like just psych myself up. Um, And just try and stand firm in God's truth about me and try not to compare, which is quite hard, obviously. I'm still guilty of that now. But um, yeah, that was just a really tricky time. Um, Also, to begin with, I used to always call it Steve's Church, like not anything to do with me like oh it's Steve's church like my church is over here and then um we happened to get married so there was a slight issue there and we decided to move to Norwich which wasn't really part of my plan I have to say I was gonna stay in London nice and comfortable in my church and my flat and my job so I was like great I've got to go to that church now um but (laughs) um it wasn't that bad (laughs) Um, actually, I think in the beginning, when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody, so that was really, really daunting. And like this church has become my family, and like lots of people here have just been really uh, lovely to me and really blessed me in more ways than you'll probably ever know. Um, so without you guys, it would have been a very lonely time for me. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I've obviously learn to now I would call it my church and I've learned to grow and love it here and I just really want to encourage you if you're sort of feeling today that you don't fit in or you don't belong and or you've got nothing in common I think Steve mentioned that um that actually just try and stick with it and pray and um, I'm happy to pray with you today if you're feeling like that or I'm sure someone else is if you don't want to come to me but um yeah just kind of stick at it I would say um because they might not be like your type of people, but as, um, as Steve was saying, you have got Jesus in common and you can find some common ground. And actually, it's kind of quite nice not to be with someone that's exactly the same as you. Like, you learn stuff from other people, and I've learned lots from lots of different people in this church. So, yeah. I think I've covered it. Great. Thanks. 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 Great. Thanks. Uh... <clears throat> Thanks, Natalie. The reason I just wanted to ask her to share briefly was just, it's all very well me saying, oh, you know, we're meant to be this radical new community in Christ together, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it doesn't take time and it's not painful along the way, but it's the intention that God has for his, for his children, for his people, is that, that we're part of a local church. That's, we're not intended to, to go it alone, yeah? Um, you know, the... <coughs> You know, that's why we have things like life groups and running partners and, and gatherings together on a Sunday like this. It's just not meant to do it alone. Yeah. Um, the, the Bible often talks about as being, you know, being fishers of men. And if you, think, uh, if you think fishers of men is one man with a, a woman with a rod, you, you don't know much about uh, early church you know, fishing, right? It was together on a boat. Yeah? And so there's a togetherness that though we're very different and... Uh, yeah, there's, there was differences here. We see that in this, in this passage, but there's a unity, there's a, a community, there's a sharpening, there's an encouraging, a strengthening of one another that God does when we're planted in the local church. And so it's, um, 
I know it's not easy, though. I know it's not easy. So, lastly, what is this new community to, uh, to do? Yeah? So if we're to be one new community together, what is it we're to do? Well, we'd have to jump back. Feel free not to turn, but you're welcome to. Back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What did they do? They, this new community devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. They met together at church. So let's, as I say, do let's be prioritizing our times together. It's not attending events that, or attending church that saves us, but as I said, we need one another. Um, when, you, when you're not here, uh, and I get we, we all have to, you know, things to, on a Sunday, you know, now and again, family and what's so. But when you're not here, we, uh, we miss out for you not being here. And, and you miss out as well. Okay? So we miss you when you're not here. Because and, 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 everyone's got a contribution. Right? Even just by being here, you might not be, be, be up here standing or playing or whatever or, or necessarily serving that particular week. But you have a contribution just by being here. It might just be uh, chatting to someone afterwards or before or encouraging them and say, hey, how are you doing? Everyone has a contribution and a part to play. It's a family. So they did that. They also... Um, this new community, they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And uh, can I encourage us, particularly at, at the moment with, with bills and inflation, uh, uh, there's, there's no doubt in going to be people who, are, who struggle, right? Can I, can I encourage us to be, be sen- particularly sensitive to this? Uh, and some of them might be, you know, I might be speaking to here, and you might be hearing this and think, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those who's, who's anxious, thinking, how, when my utility bill goes up, am I going to be able to pay that or fill up the car or whatever? And, um, but you also might be hearing this thinking, well, actually, I'm, God's, God's blessed me, and I'm one of those people who, who, can, who can help with that need. And so I want to just encourage us to be, to be sensitive to, to needs. And you might see a need and be aware of a need. You might pick it up in life group or, or, or just in conversation. And you might think, hey, I'm, I might want to say to that person, hey, I want, to, I want to bless you and meet that need. I want to drop a meal around. I want to uh, drop some money around or whatever. Alternatively, as, as Paul mentioned about, about giving, um, you know, it's not always a case that you, you, people feel they want to do that. sort of, And let somebody know, hey, I've... I'm giving you some money, you know, and you, now you know who it's coming from, and you might feel obligated to me, and so on. But, but through regular giving, we do, as a church, when, when, we, when we're aware of these situations and needs, we do try and meet it. So, so if you're giving regularly, uh, then when we are aware of need among us, we do try and just, just help financially. Um, and we don't speak about giving, giving very much as, you know, uh, yeah, but it's a big part of being a believer. It's not an entrance fee. Yeah, it's not some kind of membership fee. It doesn't earn you anything with God, as we've already touched on this morning. But when you've received this grace, when you've received the, the grace that I spoke about, then, then money is no longer a master, it's no longer an idol, but it's a tool. A tool to be able to bless others and help others uh, and use and so on. But it can be, a, it can be an idol. And when you, but when, you, when your life is his, you realize my life is his, then suddenly it's, oh, it's, not, it's not my money. Everything that I have is, is his. Everything that I've, I have received is his. And so it's no longer a master, but at all. Uh, they also ate together, round tables in each other's homes. So uh, here, we've all a responsibility, okay? Whether you've been in the church, you know, if you've been in the church for a longer while, probably a bit more weight of responsibility on you to do the initiation and the invitation. Um, you know, let's be inviting people round, round for food or round to a life group. Um, but if you're new, don't let that stop you. 
uh, you're in good company. Jesus invited himself around for dinner, didn't he? Yeah? So, uh, you know, you're in good company. You say, hey, can I come around for dinner? But uh, let me encourage you. Do, do be having people around our tables uh, eating together. This is the kind of new community that we're to be. We're saved by grace. The free gift, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. You can discover that for the first time this morning or discover it afresh for the umpteenth time this morning. We're to be a new community, one new, one new people together in Christ. No matter what we look like, sound like, dress like, eat like, whatever, we're to be a new community together in Christ. Should we pray? Nathan, do you want to come back up? We're going to pray in response. Shall we stand?